Good evening, everyone. We're excited for um, Foundations for Marriage here tonight um, and what the Lord's going to do. Um, so let's just pray uh, before we get started. Father, I thank you for this evening. Lord, I thank you for these marriages, these couples that are here. Lord, I ask that you would um, speak to us tonight. Father, through your Holy Spirit, would you convict us? Um, would you draw us closer together, Lord? I ask that we would have fun and laughter tonight. And Lord, would you um, ultimately do your work in our hearts and our lives? We love you, Jesus. In your name we pray. Amen. Um, so I think this goes without saying, but what we're doing here matters, right? What, what we're fighting for in our marriages matter, right? For our marriages, for our families, for our children, for those that we come in contact with. Um, as we run after the Lord... As a couple, if we can do that together, we run after the Lord even stronger, right? Um, and he blesses that. And so um, I just honor you guys for being here tonight. Um, I know it's been a long day, and some of you are trying to stay awake, right? Um, finding babysitters and um, getting the kids settled, right? But I'm glad that you're here. So I'm, I'm, I'm thankful that you're here and just encouraged by you guys' presence. So... Um, Last month, um, we went through some hopes and expectations. Uh, for those of you that were here, uh, we took sticky notes and we wrote down what are our hopes and what are our expectations. And we put them up there um, on the, the flip charts. Thank you. Um, and so I don't know if you looked at those on the way in at all, if you remember what you wrote. Um, I spent some time um, this afternoon just looking at that, and it was interesting what what people said. Um, I'm just going to read a couple of them. To become closer as spouses, to have more unity, to have deep conversations, to grow in maturity, to learn, to become closer as a couple, to have a stronger foundation, and to listen to others' journeys. Um, and those are just some of the many that you guys put up there. Um, I feel like we've, we've checked a lot of those, and we will continue to do that. So um, just wanted to revisit those. Um, last month, we talked a lot about values, and what do you value as a couple? What is it that um, God has placed inside of you um, individually and your spouse? And then how do you guys run after that and developing a mission statement from those values? Um, and so what we want to do just in your tables, okay? Introduce yourselves if you haven't already. Say your name, okay? And I would like you guys to share your mission statement. Hopefully you worked on it. If not, that's okay. Share what you had from last month. So we're gonna put some music on. Um, introduce yourselves and share your mission statement with your table. All right. Hopefully you guys were able to share. If not, over break time, it's time to share, okay? Um, so last month as well, we talked about the four horsemen um, of the apocalypse, okay? Not really. The four horsemen, uh, this is defined by Gottman, okay? And uh, the Gottman's Institute, the four horsemen on the left-hand side of this are the things that if you continue to do this in a marriage, it is a 
precursor and a predictor towards divorce, right? So criticism, contempt, defensiveness, and stonewalling. Um, and then the antidotes on the right-hand side, a gentle startup, uh, building a culture of appreciation, taking responsibility, and then a psychological self-soothing, okay? Um, I know I've, he I've heard from some of you guys uh, regarding this, but who would share um, how you as a couple have used this in the, in the last month? Immediately during the last meeting, um, Allie and I just got real and raw and honest with each other, with ourselves, and honestly, the first thing that we wanted to do was repent to God, repent to each other, and um, just try to try to reflect and <clears throat> and focus on the antidotes, you know. Um, Really, the, the stonewalling and the um, defensiveness are two of my big things. You know, I'm really quick to defend myself. So um, something the Lord spoke to me is that when I, similar to what Jeff said today, if, if I'm trying to defend myself, I'm not allowing the Father to defend me. So, yeah. Yeah, thanks for sharing. Who else would share? Yeah, I mean, I think all of these are obviously extremely healthy. I think where I found a lot of life is taking responsibility, but taking it quickly and completely. And I find that it actually frees me up of like, when I repent, the quicker the turnaround and the more complete and without excuses, the better. And the freedom that gives me and then also grace is like priceless. So I and I and I find that it builds deeper trust as well. So yeah. That's good. Thanks, Nick. Anyone else? Okay. Um I would encourage you guys to continue to keep these things in front of you, right? Um I've heard from some that uh they've made this kind of a like lighthearted. Yeah. Yeah. Um, we heard some feedback that um, one couple was able to talk ahead of time and set some healthy expectations about like, hey, when these come up in an argument, we're going to like call it out in this like joking way. Um, and we're not going to take offense to it. And so um, it can be lighthearted. It can be like, again, helpful. But I thought that was like super creative, just kind of like, hey, I see contempt and like making a joke of it and it diffused the situation um, rather than escalating it. Yeah. Um, so thinking about your marriage on your own, think to yourself, what keeps your marriage strong? Take a minute. For clarity, we're moving on from the four horsemen. Okay, now share those things with your spouse. What keeps your marriage strong?
Okay. So who would share with the group what keeps your marriage strong? Humility. Humility. The truth. Good. Service. I'm sorry, what was that? Teachability. Yourself or your spouse? Both listening and changing. Teachability. Sex. Intimacy. Yeah. How, yeah. Hold on. Trust. It's good. Yeah. Laughter. What was that over here? Somebody said prayer. Repentance. How about some from this side of it? Companionship. Good. Enjoying each other's company. Yeah. Friendship. Communication. Yeah. Relationship with the Lord. Yeah. Supporting each other in your interests and hobbies. Yeah. Forgiveness. Yeah. Encouraging words. Yeah. Being selfless. Duration. So the longer you're together, the more you appreciate them. That's good. Accepting the other person, not instead of trying to change them. Yeah. Yeah, it's good. Devotion to one another. Yep. One of the things that we, you want to talk about uh, expectations? One of the things for us that, um, that is super important is um, communicating expectations. So somebody said communication, but we would expand that to mean expectations. So first year of our marriage, we just like missed the mark with each other a lot. And once we realized that it was because we both came home after a day of work with different expectations of how the evening would go, and then we learned to communicate what those expectations were, it was a game changer for us. And we have carried that into a lot of aspects of our marriage. So we often like to encourage couples to evaluate your disappointments. So when you feel disappointed, what you are feeling is an unmet expectation. And so if you can realize in a moment of disappointment, oh, I actually need to internally evaluate what was I hoping would happen? What was I thinking might happen? Because disappointment is an unmet expectation. And then once you notice those patterns, you can get better at communicating those things ahead of time. And so you can say things like, hey, from tonight, I just need 15 minutes of alone time before I'm like on with the family. Or maybe it's like, hey, after the kids go to bed, I'm really feeling a disconnection with you. Could we make some time to connect on an emotional level? Um, It can also be like 
not super significant things. Like I was, I can't even think of a good example. Yes, I want to watch football. That's significant sometimes. That's what you want and need. But again, learning to recognize your expectations and then communicating them um, is a marriage strengthener for us. Um, something else practical that, um, that we find to be really strengthening for us is that we go to bed together almost every night. Um, I know that some couples... You know, there might be someone that works overnight or those types of things. Like, I understand, like, there are extenuating circumstances. People travel for work or whatever it might be. But we have found in our 13 years of marriage now that there are just, like, very few reasons that we cannot make that a priority. And this started as a habit, not even really realizing that we were trying to do it. But as we evaluate what keeps us strong, that is at the top of the list. Not the top, probably, but at the top of the list. Yeah, another thing that's a marriage strengthener, strengthener for us is syncing with one another. Um, when we leave a uh, group of people, when, we, um, when we're done hanging out with someone, when we leave church, when we leave whatever, um, we constantly ask, how was that for you? Because we want to know what's going I want to know what's going on in Jill's heart and in her mind, and she wants to know what's going on with me. Um, and so const like constantly syncing with one another and trying never to get out of sync. Um, recently, this past week, there were a couple of days where we were like ships in the night. And um, it took us about two days to sync. And I was like, wait a minute, we got to go back 48 hours and start syncing. We, we have a lot to catch up on. So um, doing that as often as you can. And there, then it's not this huge session of trying to sync together. It's just constantly staying in sync. A few more practical things. Um, we kiss every time one of us comes home. Um, that might seem silly to some of you, but having a moment of physical contact when the one person comes home actually is research-backed. Um, so for us, I stay at home with the kids. When Austin comes home, it might not be the inst I'm not like waiting at the door necessarily. My kids are. They're like, Dad! and they run to the garage. Um, anyone that's babysat our kids knows that. Um, it's very cute, especially with Elena right now. She's our one-and-a-half-year-old, and she's like, da, da. So it's sweet. But we kiss when he gets home. Um, and having that physical contact and that, like, connection, even though it's brief, um, keeps us strong. Um, a couple other things. So um, there are tons of marriage experts out there that would all tell you like, this is the way and that's the way. And I think we can glean a lot of things from many people. Um, there's like one guy that talks about the four essentials and he talks about that like physical connection when you walk in the door and he talks about having a daily check-in with your spouse. Um, one other group of people, I forget their names, their podcast is called One Extraordinary Marriage. Um, I recommend most of their stuff, but I won't fully endorse everything. Um, they have great stuff. They have great stuff. I just haven't listened to it all. Um, but their big thing is that there are six pillars of intimacy, and they define them. We touched on a lot of them. Um, recreation is one of the pillars. Spiritual intimacy, emotional intimacy, 
physical intimacy, which is different than sexual intimacy. And then the sixth one is financial intimacy. And so their big thing, they have books on it. They have 13 years of podcasts. um, But their big thing is there are these six pillars of intimacy. And I have found that to be really helpful, um, particularly as I work with um, counseling clients. Um, And we really touched on a lot of them. We We touched on sex. We touched on laughter. We touched on the friendship and... Um, connecting with one another. So those six pillars, again, if you want them, are friendship, recreation, I'm sorry, not friendship, financial, recreation, physical, sexual, emotional, spiritual. All right, switching gears a little bit. Um, We are going to jump into the Sound Marital House. I hope that you guys had a chance to listen to that podcast for your homework. It was about 15 minutes. There are enough for one per person. Her podcast is the Brave Marriage Podcast. Oh, the one that I just mentioned is the One Extraordinary Marriage. They're Tony and Elisa DeLorenzo, yes. Sure. Financial, recreational, sexual, physical, emotional, and spiritual. All right. So on your handout, you will find a drawing of the Sound Marital House. So again, this comes from Gottman, marriage experts. Um, And what they came up with was this Sound Marital House. Um, So I'm not going to bore you with the details of it since you had homework on it. But I do just want to revisit that um, Gottman calls trust and commitment the pillars of the house. So we are going to spend a lot of time tonight talking about those pillars of trust and commitment. And then starting from the bottom, um, building love maps, sharing fondness and admiration, and turning towards instead of away. So those bottom three are actually what he calls the foundation of friendship. So again, we talked about that, that companionship and friendship, which is why I ask someone, like, what do you mean by companionship? Because this foundation of friendship is, again, research-backed, that having a foundation of friendship keeps your marriage strong. Um, So I don't want you to look at those bottom three, the red, orange, yellow, building love maps, sharing fondness, and turning towards instead of away. I don't want you to see them as separate or on top of each other. They should, it would be better if they'd be next to each other. Um, and so we're going to spend a lot of time there as well tonight, building that foundation of friendship. The remaining four, um, we're not going to jump into tonight, so we'll come back to them. Um, but just to assure you, we will spend a whole night on managing conflict. So Tonight we want to spend some time on the pillars, which are trust and commitment. And so we want to start with trust, okay? Um, Trust takes a long time to build. A long time. Trust is easily broken. And it's even harder to rebuild. And sometimes it's not possible to rebuild. Why do I say that? It takes two to tango, right? Two, two people have to work to rebuild trust. If trust has been broken and one person says, I don't want to rebuild trust, trust is not going to be rebuilt, right? It has to take two parties, okay? Um, so 
what enhances or builds trust? Consistency. Yeah. Vulnerability. Communication. Transparency. Communication. Actions. What do you mean by actions? So, like, follow through, following through on actions. Yeah? Good. What else? There's another one over here. I thought. Okay. What else? Repentance. Yeah. That's a, that's a big one. Self-disclosure. What else builds trust? Longevity. Takes time. Yeah. And I would say it takes years of consistency, right? Self-sacrifice. Yeah. Yeah, when, when your spouse sacrifices themselves for you, mm-hmm, that builds trust. Okay, so what breaks trust? Inconsistencies? Lying, adultery, rejection, like rejecting your spouse. Is that what you mean? Mm-hmm. Like if I reject Austin. Yeah, so if your spouse rejects you, you in turn don't. Failure to communicate. Lack of self-control. Yeah. Fits of rage. I would put that under self, lack of self-control, yeah. Separation. Separation from one another? You mean, uh, like, distance? Hanging out in other parts of the house? Sleeping in other bedrooms? <laughs> Not sharing your location on your iPhone? <laughs> find my husband app? And find my wife? Good. What do you, Yeah. Not sharing your phone in the sense of your passcode. So, yeah, 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 yeah. being secret. That's good. Gaslighting. Can you explain that? Yeah. Belittling someone. Whoa, whoa, sorry. Belittling someone's reaction. Yeah, I think, Gio, what you were saying with the the gaslighting, I do think it like um, it echoes back to our last session when we were talking about defensiveness. If you are like, it's not my like you're you're the victim of like my choices when really you're the one that harmed me. Is does that seem like kind of what you're saying? Okay. Yeah, Julian. Yeah, too much time with your eyes on your phone instead of on each other. Distractions. Yeah, it's good. It's not exhaustive, but it's a great list. It's a very good list. I'm going to like do a parenthesis right here because Julian just reminded me of something. Um, it seems like unrelated, but eyes on eyes. Um, if you haven't heard before, men and women are different. We're different. Um, And the reason I mention that is because women tend to connect face to face. Men tend to connect shoulder to shoulder. 
you spent much time with us, you may have heard us talk about this. If you look around the room at a social event, you will notice this. Come see by me, babe. Like, men talk like this. They're like, hey, did you see that game last night? Yeah, it was pretty awesome. Michigan killed it. Um, women talk like this. And it's, it's so funny, but it's just true. And so men tend to feel connected through shared activity. Like, your man might feel like if you go do yard work with me, man, we connected. But <laughs> Julianne said eyes on eyes. So maybe men, that's not necessarily what would build trust for you. But for us women, we want to see your eyes. So men, if you're distracted by the TV and your wife is asking you for connection and you hit pause or turn it off and you're sitting next to each other and you turn and face them. Oh, magical. Magical. <laughs> It works, I promise. He's full of wisdom. All right, we, we covered a lot of trust breakers, and it turns out you guys are all experts as well. Um, I have a few things to add to the list um, from people who f know far more than I do. Um, obviously, cheating would be on the list of things that break trust. Flirting is on a trust breaker list. And flirting with flirting where you think you're not flirting, but you are on the edge. That breaks trust. Abusing alcohol and drugs. I think we kind of got to it with um, lack of self-control. Letting our emotions get the best of us. Again, I think that might fit under lack of self-control, but these are all trust breakers that the experts talk about. Um, acting out of emotional childhood. So what does this mean? This means tantrums including fits of rage, but it might be milder than that. Screaming, breaking things, throwing things, impulsive behaviors, such as turning to eating or shopping or alcohol. Um, I already talked about alcohol. Or even leaving without letting your spouse know where you're going. Those are emotionally childish behaviors that break trust. And it's not because your spouse wants to suck the fun out of your life or control you, but it, it just does not represent a character of integrity. I, oh, what did I just do? How do I change it? Um, one last thing I'll say on this um, is, I'm sorry, that's just how I feel, is another childish, emotionally childish comment. So if you are wanting to say something hurtful and you follow it up with, I'm sorry, that's just how I feel. That is actually not an apology and it's not repentant and it's not humble. It's, I want to excuse my behaviors, but I'm just going to like try to tag on this band-aid so that you don't like hold me accountable for it. Um, all right. So take just a minute. Are there, does everybody have paper? on their table somewhere, like a journal that you brought or um, or on the back of your sound marital house. Great. Okay. So um, by yourself, individually, I want you to self-reflect. In what areas have you broken trust? We all have something that we can own up to. So take a few minutes and think about in what ways have I broken trust? All right, you can tuck those away for just a few minutes. We will come back to those. Um, 
So we have talked about trust, but there's also trustworthiness. And they're two different things, right? So if you are the one who has broken trust, then it is on you to rebuild it. Um, And we're going to spend just a little bit of time talking about how to regain some trustworthiness. We hit some of these already. Um, Again, these come from experts. Um, This one comes from a lady named Stephanie Rigg, and she is a counselor. Um, So these are adapted from her five points. It's not comprehensive, but I thought it was really good. Um, I just changed them so that they would spell out trust. Um, So... The first one is truthfulness. That probably seems pretty on, pretty obvious, um, but honesty is an attribute of becoming trustworthy and um, building trust. So yes, telling the truth, but also that we are not concealing inappropriately. So um, secrecy was on that ga- on the breakers. Um, certainly lying, um, but truthfulness includes more than just, I told the truth when I was asked. Um, so the mantra of don't ask, don't tell, not healthy, not healthy in your marriage. Um, you need to be disclosing things. You need to be telling on yourself instead of getting caught. First um, John 1, 7, can you help me? I can't scroll. Thank you. First um, John 1, 7 talks about living in the light so that we can have fellowship with one another. So that is a call to disclosing and living in the light rather than, um, rather than keeping things in the darkness. Second thing would be reliability. Um, so this touches on you do what you say you'll do. So Chris said something like, oh, that your actions, what you say that you will do, you follow through. Um, you're being reliable. This is Matthew 5:37, letting your yes be yes and your no be no, that your character is reliable. Uprightness or integrity. So you are doing what is right even when it's not most comfortable. So part of Austin's in my story, this is like just a like a silly thing. After we met and hit it off, he like told me, hey, I just want to let you know I'm not pursuing you. And I was like, okay. Um, And then a year year and a half later is when we like really actually started dating. And I had this like deep trust in his integrity because what he had shared with me was I was praying about dating you. I wanted to date you. I was attracted to you. I was interested in you. But I felt like the Lord told me no, and you need to tell her. And so he chose his words very carefully He did not say, I don't like you. He also did not, like, pull the God card. Like, I prayed about it, and God said no, so you must be just a messed up vessel. I don't know. He didn't do that. He chose his words carefully, and when we started dating then, I knew that I could trust his integrity because he did not what he wanted to do, but what God asked of him. And so there was a level of trust that was established, even though we didn't have tons of, like, history together. So not just taking the easy road, but taking the right road. Um, James 1.22 says that we need to be doers of the word and not just hearers of the word. 
Um, this goes back to like, what do you value? So we talked about values a lot last time. You cannot be a person of integrity if you don't know what you value. Because if you don't know what you value, you will just flop at everybody else's wishes and not what, what like the firm and true and trustworthy word of God. But you have to know what you value if you're going to be a person of integrity. Next one, saying sorry. Um, again, we talked about this. Uh, ben said repentance. So saying sorry, yes, but it includes the action step of I want to make amends. So it's not just saying sorry, but it's then your actions follow up that your heart really is sorry. Um, when I think about this, um, I think about Zacchaeus, the story of Zacchaeus. Bennett is obsessed with Zacchaeus right now. Um, it's on page 444 of our kids' Bible, if you would like to find it at our house. Um, and he pays back. Like, when he feels convicted after he's had his encounter with Jesus, he's like, okay, I'm going to pay them back four times what I took from them. There's this, like, evidence of his repentance. And so saying sorry, yes, but it is expanded to more than just that, where your actions back up your sorrow. And I just want to make this clear. Saying I'm sorry if is not an actual apology. I'm sorry if I hurt you. I'm sorry if... Uh, that didn't come out right, that's not an apology. So sorry if, take it out of your vocabulary. And spouses, if you hear your spouse say it, hey, I'm sorry if, nope, not an apology. Okay, you can say that. You have our permission. Do it in a loving way. Yeah. All right. Last one, track record of consistency. Okay, we hit this one. This is awesome. This is why we want participation because there's more wisdom in this room than um, we could just like give you. Um, track record of consistency because the small compounding moments are actually more important than the grand gestures. So seeing that consistency over time, the lifestyle of making the right choices and doing the right thing and showing up when you say you're going to show up and caring about me, that does more for trust than like, I bought you a vacation. I'm going to like the grandiose things actually don't do that much for building trust. So how do you rebuild trust? Self-sacrifice, admitting the wrong, yeah, good, and stating, yeah, here's my attention, and then doing those things, good, yeah, Rin, yeah. coming clean is a good start, yeah, being honest, yeah, yeah, so having accountability outside of the marriage and having the person that, that broke the trust going to those people to seek counsel and wisdom. Yeah, good. So if you guys were here back in August, um, I shared this. Um, I broke trust in a big way with Jill. Um, we had been married uh, for a while. We were missionaries. Um, and I turn to pornography and masturbation instead of loving my wife. I lied about it. I kept it hidden uh, for a long time. And um, I broke trust, obviously, in a very, very big way. Um, and like I said, trust is hard to build. It's easily broken. 
and it's even harder to rebuild. Rebuilding trust in our marriage took every ounce of everything that I had to get it back to where it is. It was the hardest thing I've ever done in my life, and I've done a lot of hard things. But I want to encourage you that it's possible, and you can do it. Um, what did I have to do? I had to take responsibility. I had to own up to it. And this wasn't just a one-time, hey, I'm sorry I did this. I had to take responsibility over and over and over and over again. I had to do what I said I would do. If I said I was going to be home at a certain time, I was home at that time. If I said I was going to pick up the trash, I picked up the trash. If I said whatever, I did it. When Jill would ask something of me, if it was at all reasonable, and everything she asked me is reasonable, she doesn't ask me unreasonable things, but when she asked me something, I did it, and I did it with a cheerful heart. I lived in the light, right? I was dishonest, and I turned, and now I was honest. I proactively shared what was on my heart with her, what I was processing and going through. I was always on. Um, I didn't take time off. Right? It's so easy to get lost in your phone scrolling. I didn't do that. I couldn't. I had to rebuild trust. I gave her the freedom to ask any question at any time. That was hard. Right? When you think about, so if we, if we pause here for a second and we think about grief, okay, if those of you have, I mean, if you have had a, a loved one pass away, you know that that grief just kind of comes up out of nowhere sometimes. And you're like, whoa, I thought it was past that. In the same way, breaking trust with Jill, that grief would come up out of nowhere. Sometimes in, in really hard times. We're getting ready to be intimate, and it rears its head. Guess what's off the table? Sex. So I gave her permission to ask any question at any time, and what was my response? It was taking responsibility and being humble and apologizing again. Over and over and over again. It was never, why are you asking me this again? Hey, I've already, you've already forgiven me this. You can't ask again. No, that's not the right response. It can't be. Okay? Um, I had to be patient as she processed her hurt. For me, when I shared with her what had been going on, it was like a, a ton of bricks was lifted off my shoulder. I, my shoulders. I was free. I was walking in the light, and I hadn't been in years. But that ton of bricks... I dropped squarely on her, and she had to slowly get herself out of the rubble, right? Who am I then to be like, hey, I thought we were good. I shared. We're done. We're not talking about this anymore. No, that's not the right response. The other thing I did was I gave her permission to talk to people that would be encouraging and helpful to her. That meant she could tell my story without me there. Even to people 
if, if I thought, ooh, I don't really want that person to know because they're going to think of me differently, mm-mm, I didn't put parameters on it. It was, you tell the story because I need you to get, I need you to have the help that you need. Okay? Yeah, so um, he made that list um, after the fact. I mean, these those were all very true of how he handled it. And he asked me later, what what was it? What was it that rebuilt the trust? Um, and so I just affirm everything that you said, babe, that you did it well. You walked in humility and patience. Um, trust is two ways, though. So he took on the ownership and the responsibility for um, the lies. But there still is, like, a partnership, right? So um, there was still a part that I had to play. And... So, like, he gave the example of he told me that I could share with anyone that would be a support to me. I didn't abuse that, right? I didn't just go talk about him at every opportunity and just, like, post it around or, like, yeah, post it on social media. I didn't, like, share it publicly, but I did have women that I needed as a support. Or there were women that... Maybe they couldn't necessarily speak into my life in that area, but, like, I can't be in friendship with her and, like, leave out this whole part of, like, I'm coming out from under these bricks. That was a great analogy. Like, I can't actually be genuine in my friendship with a couple of these people without being able to be honest about, like, this is hard. Like, We've been married for eight years, and I am working through the deceit and the betrayal and the rebuilding of trust. Um, So, yes, it is two ways, um, but I had to keep making that choice to put myself back out there. Um, I had to be vulnerable. Um, It meant restoration meant choosing not to accuse him when there wasn't new evidence. And at the same time, I did have suspicions at times. And like he said, he gave me permission to ask about that. He gave me permission when I'm like, who are you texting? He, yeah. Um, He wasn't defensive when that happened. Um, And so if you remember the four horsemen, like defensiveness erodes a marriage. And that was not how he responded. He took the ownership any time that I had a question. He owned up to it being the consequence of his choices. Yeah, so um, those things that you wrote down, okay, a couple of minutes ago about breaking trust, okay, we're going to put some music on here, and what I would like you to do is discuss with your spouse how you've broken trust. Practice owning up to your part. Be specific, and if you know how, Talk about how you're going to fix it. Okay? Do that now. All right. If you would come back to your seats, we're going to keep going here. So, we've talked about... um, so we're talking about the, the marital house, right? And so we've talked about trust, and now we want to talk about commitment, okay? Um, 
And so if trust is something you feel, commitment is something you do. Okay? So uh, that was from Zach Brittle, and he's from the Gottman Institute. Um, there's a lot of overlap between trust and commitment, but they are different. Um, so what types of things causes someone to question commitment? Not sleeping in the same bed. Yeah. It's good. Being unreliable. What else? Having different goals. Not having a shared set of values. Yeah. What else? Okay, what else? Selfish. Being selfish. Yeah. Is that better? Hurtful words. Yeah. I read. Not communicating at all. Yeah. Stonewalling. Yeah. What? Not dating. You mean like not going on dates? Yeah. Not being supportive and what the other's interested in? Yeah. Not having sex? Yeah. Being dismissive? Flirting? Flirting with others, right? Not with your spouse. Yeah, I think um, emotional infidelity. Right? Not keeping your spouse as the highest priority and love besides the Lord. Throwing around the word divorce. Daydreaming about what life would be like with a different spouse or not married at all. Not making decisions with your spouse in mind. I don't know what you got up there. For daydream, throwing around the word divorce. Right? And back to the flirting or flirting with flirting. Right? These are all things that can cause someone to question commitment. Okay? So what are things that demonstrate commitment in a relationship? Following up and following through. Serving one another. Affection and loyalty. Yeah. Open communication and, I'm sorry, and making decisions together or with each other in mind. Yeah, so staying in the conversation. Um, yeah, not avoiding, not running away from things, not hiding. Praying together. Heard it said a couple that prays together stays together. Protecting. Protecting your spouse. Yeah. Protecting time. Five love languages. We'll get there. Yeah. Yeah. Being intentional and giving undivided attention. It's good. I think taking feedback from your spouse. 
in our pride, in my pride, I don't want to take feedback. But in humility, right? Yeah, it's good. Um, so I think as we go on, and as, I just encourage you that these, these things that question commitment, these are things that we should stop doing and not do them, right? And we want to build up commitment in our, um, in our relationship. All right. We are going to shift away from the pillars of trust and commitment. So if you have your sound marital house, we are going to move into the foundations of friendship. Um, so like I said, those bottom three components um, are all part of the foundation of friendship, and we're going to kind of work through them. Um, one of the expectations that someone put up last week on or last month on a post-it note was related to connection after a child is born. And so... Interestingly, some research shows that one of the primary indicators of whether or not you will weather the transition of a, new, of a child into your life is your friendship. And specifically, the next three things that we'll talk about. So there is hope that if you did not have a strong friendship before that first one came along, you can still rebuild it. There's always hope. Um, and if you feel like you are struggling to connect after having a child, um, this would be a great, we're gonna have some great tools for you um, over the course of the next few minutes. So we're going to start with love maps. Um, so the love map, if you listened to the podcast, you will um, remember this. This is like knowing your spouse's inner world. So this is the, the space and the pathways in your mind that you have given to your spouse's world. So this is like we're constantly learning. We're increasing in knowledge of our spouse. We can't fully know our spouse because, first of all, they're changing. And second of all, we're not them. So we're one flesh with them, but we get to keep knowing them more and more and more, no matter how long you've been together. Um, we talked about longevity or like time spent when we were talking about trust. And I would say that that's true as long as you are growing in your friendship together. Um, so love maps would include, like, do you know your spouse's fears and interests and hobbies and their current concerns at work and what stresses them out and what do they need to recharge? Like, do you know their childhood stories? Do you know the things that they remember of childhood that are fond memories or painful memories um, or even just silly in-between memories? Um, and like I said, we can always be growing in it, but we're going to take a few minutes to assess how good we are at knowing our spouse. So Austin is handing out a questionnaire. And um, these are 20 questions that you're simply on your own. Don't look at your spouse. Don't talk to your spouse right now. Um, you will answer them true or false. That's all you have to do. True or false. And then add up your answers. Add up your trues. Yeah, yeah, so it'll be like, so the first one is, I can name my spouse's best friend. So that would be like, I'm answering for myself. I can name Austin's best friends, okay? Go ahead. Thanks, Mitchell. 
How'd you guys do? You feeling good or terrible? <laughs> well, this exercise is really just, um, it is not to discourage you, but it is to give you some ideas of where you can grow in knowing your spouse. Um, so yeah, I'm going to give you a few ideas of how to enhance your love maps. If you're a note taker, I'm going to just um, kind of rattle them off and explain them a little bit. So the first thing would be on your next date night, bring this questionnaire with you and, que and ask. Ask about the things that you didn't know the answers to. You don't have to feel discouraged. We're all growing and knowing our spouses more and more and more. Um, so that would be one thing. The second thing that I would recommend is there is an app. It's called, what? We will. Okay, can you make a note for me? Okay. Um, there is an app called the Gottman Love. Sorry, hang on. Give me just a second. I need two, three hands for this. Gottman Card Decks. Um, so you can download this app and it has all these fun, colorful boxes on it. Um, the very first one is Love Maps and it gives you questions and ideas of what you can ask to enhance your love maps. There are also open-ended questions, um, date questions, sex questions, all kinds of things. I will give this caveat. Gottman is not a Christian, okay? He has great stuff, but... If you are going to dive into the sex questions and then the ones that he calls salsa, this is not how Jeff Lyle respond, was talking about salsa this morning, if you were here. This, this is to enhance your sexual intimacy. So there are questions in there that I would throw out, um, things that would include um, masturbation, mostly, is my issue, and toys. We'll come back to that. But I just, if you're going to download this and you're going to use it as a tool, just remember, we want to take the good. All truth is God's truth. And we can take the things that we've learned from people who aren't following the Lord. Usually what they find is what the Bible says is true. Um, but I just want to give that caveat. So um, start with the questions on your, your questionnaire. The, um, the app, again, it's called Gottman Card Decks. Um, or just Google. You can Google 40 intentional date questions or questions for connecting with my spouse and find some ideas. Another check-in that we have really liked and found a lot of success with is um, the acronym FANOS, F-A-N-O-S. Um, if you are wanting to write that down, I will tell you what each of them is. So the F is, so this is like a check-in. So maybe you do this weekly, maybe you do it monthly, um, but you sit down at an in intentional time and the F is feelings. How are you feeling beyond good? Um, checking in with the heart. F is feelings. A is affirmation. So giving an affirmation to your spouse, it can be, thank you for taking out the trash. It can be, hey, I really love that you have been patient with me this week as I have been stretched so thin. Um, so the A is affirmation. The N is needs, expressing your need. Um, so we talked about expectations earlier. Um, you have to know your needs to express your needs. Um, and so give yourself space for that. The O is owning. So we've talked a lot about saying sorry, meaning it, and then our actions back it up. So the O is taking, your, taking ownership of um, whatever you need to take ownership for. And then the S, 
um, could be sobriety um, in the sense of, so we use this check-in when Austin was in counseling after coming clean about the pornography. And so we use the S for sobriety in a lot of ways. How are you doing with temptation? How are you doing with lust? How are you doing with like staying in the light? And I think Julian talked about like living in accountability with people other than your spouse. You could also use it as spirituality. So how, what is the Lord doing in your life? How is he speaking to you? What is he teaching you? Um, so depending on your situation, um, you might want to use that differently. All right, that's love maps. Now we are going to move on to sharing fondness and admiration. Um, I don't think I need to really explain fondness and admiration. You probably married your spouse because you had some level of fondness and admiration for them. You decided you want to spend your life with them. But sometimes that can fade over time. Um, we're just not naive to think that every marriage in here feels really fond and admiring 100% of the time. And so um, we want to grow in it. We, and, and you can. You can grow in fondness and admiration um, if you treat your emotion, like if you allow your emotions to follow your thoughts instead of leading your thoughts. And so what do I mean by that? Philippians 4 talks about thinking upon whatever is true and noble and trustworthy and praiseworthy. And, um, and we can actually train ourselves. We can train our emotions to follow our hearts. We also have emotions that are just like instinctive responses. But regarding admiration, um, things that we can do are going back to a time that we did appreciate them. And when you make yourself think about that, your feelings follow it. You feel warm and fuzzy when you think about something that your spouse has done that's really great. So we are going to spend several minutes um, with your couple discussing the questions. We put, this one has like a lot of questions to it, so we're going to put it up on the screen. Um, basically... The overview is discussing appreciation and admiration, um, but there are some, um, some questions for you to be working from. How do you show your appreciation? What makes you feel loved? What makes your spouse feel loved? Check if you were right. Does your spouse know what you want or need and have you shared or communicated it? So we're gonna give you about five minutes to discuss with your spouse about appreciation, feeling loved, and how that's going for you. Okay, can nobody move? Don't move from where you're, just keep doing exactly, keep facing the way you're facing. Almost every wife is facing their husband. Some husbands are facing their wives. Some are shoulder. Just be aware of that. So funny. Okay? Yeah. I'll, you are, you're right. Nathan, I'm not calling you out, you're injured, okay? For all and you which way is right? What's right? Shoulder to shoulder or face to face? There's not right. It's just different. So you don't have to feel shame, Nathan. No. Yes. Yes, exactly. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Gia says it's the posture that is important. 
that there can be a listening posture that is different even if you're shoulder to shoulder. So he, Austin just noticed it. It was just like a funny little thing. So, okay, if you want to grow in admiration and fondness, I'm going to give you a few lists, or like a few ideas again, if you're a list taker. Um, follow us on social media. <laughs> I'm not very active on social media. Um, okay, so if you want to continue growing in fondness and admiration, some ideas I have for you are making a list of things that you appreciate. Just taking the time to write it down, as many qualities as you can about your spouse. Um, expressing your appreciation helps to actually grow your fondness and appreciation. Um, and then praying for your spouse. And this isn't a praying that they get, like, what they deserve. <laughs> this is praying blessing and favor on them and praying for them like you want someone to pray for you. Um, this is also a good spot to talk about love languages. Julianne alluded to it earlier. Um, so these are the five love languages. I forget the person who invented these. Uh, Gary Chapman. We want to give him credit. Way to go, Gary. We're so grateful for you. Um, what? Sammy says, snaps for Gary. Okay, um, so these are the five love languages, if you are not familiar with them. Um, love languages are the way that you prefer to receive love. And typically, we try to give love the way that we want to receive love. So acts of service, physical touch, words of affirmation, quality time, and gifts received. Um, I felt like a lot of shame around the fact that I like gifts, um, like being a Christian, that just seems like really vain. If you're in my boat, lift the shame off. It's okay. It's it's a matter of feeling known. It's like they knew me. Allison Skinner gave me raindrop earrings, which is so special to us because of our story of losing a child. Like it's so deeply ministers to me. Thank you, Allison. Um, so if you're in my boat and you feel like this weird shame about like, I hate it that I want gifts to feel loved. I don't want to be vain. And am I putting my heart in like treasuring things on this earth and not like just lift it. It's, it's about being known. It's about being seen. It's not vanity. Okay. That's a sidebar. Where was I? All right. Um, okay. I'm sorry. I just got lost. All right. So with your spouse, talk about the love languages. If you know, like, if you know what your love languages are, how are you doing? at giving what your spouse needs. If you are unfamiliar with them, talk about them. Like, what would you say is probably the way that you feel the most loved? And do a check-in, okay? We're going to give you a few minutes for that. All right, we're going to make a subtle shift. You can leave the music on, actually. Um, so at your table, we want you to share one thing that you admire about your spouse and be specific. Give an example if you can, but we do want to make room for everyone to share, okay? So one more time. At your tables, you are going to share one thing that you admire about your spouse. Give an example, be specific, but be brief. Man, do you guys feel built up? 
Doesn't that feel good? I hope you feel good. All right, so like we said, friendship and fondness and admir admiration can be rebuilt. Um, it just takes intention, and it takes effort. Um, we want to talk about moving toward and not against. So this can be a general thing that's like um, you are choosing to enter into their world of like, for example, Austin loves motorcycles. He has not gotten to live out that dream since we have lived in this country. Um, but he always had a motorcycle when we lived in Central America. And I am not... I didn't used to be a motorcycle girl. I was like, that whole world just seemed like scary and weird to me. Sorry, Brian. Um, but the reason I bring it up is because I have found that the more I have taken interest in his interests, the closer my friendship has felt with him. And as a side note, I think the more that you know about something, the more interesting it is. Um, and so I chose to enjoy motorcycles with him and we have had a lot of really fun rides through some beautiful places and the Lord has ministered to me on the back of a motorcycle more times than I can count not because I was scared no because <laughs> not because I was scared but because it was peaceful and the Lord was doing something in my heart um and so yeah so moving toward can look like a recreational intimacy where you're engaging in something that is interesting to your spouse, even if it's not something that you would be choosing. Um, but there's also this big concept that is called bids for connection. And so we do bids for connection in every relationship. This is when we say something or do something and we are wanting someone to respond to us. It could be saying their name. It could be saying, hmm, as you're reading something. It could be physically like a touch. We do bids for connection all the time. Our kids do it to us. Our friends do it to us. And how we respond to it is the indicator of if we are moving toward or away from our spouse. So an ignored bid for connection is more damaging than a negative response to a bid for connection. So as an example, if Austin is reading something, Paul said it this morning. He at some point said, I was reading Jeff Lyle's book and I started laughing out loud. And Taylor asked me, what are you laughing at? Because his laughter in that moment was somewhat of a bid for connection. And Taylor responded to that. And there was a moment of connection because she responded to it. If she had ignored it, it would actually be more damaging than even if she would say something like, I want to hear what you were laughing about, but I'm busy right now. So even if it's a negative response, we talk about this with our kids all the time. There are times that, like, Bennett is like, Mommy, 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 mommy. And I'm like, okay. Like, I just, I, I need to respond to him. Like, it's more damaging for me to just keep doing what I'm doing than to say, buddy, I love you. Well, I guess that's positive. But it, it's more damaging to ignore it than to just be like, I need a minute. Okay? So, bids for connection. Are we responding to them by moving toward and entering into connection? Or are we moving away or against? 
Um, the same would be if your spouse is making an attempt to repair a conflict. Even if you cannot find resolution, you can move towards them by acknowledging that this is an attempt. Like, I know right now that we're in conflict, but I see that you're trying to make it right. We aren't there yet, but you're, you're making a response rather than that, like, withdrawing and stonewalling that we talked about with the four horsemen. I think I'm good. We'll talk more about conflict in a couple months. Yeah. So we've covered a lot of stuff tonight. What I'd like you to do is take a few minutes and reflect and write down a couple of key takeaways. Please do that now. Okay, so who would share what you're taking from this time together? Who would share what you're taking home? Rin. How to give gifts and being known? really good stuff. So talked about giving gifts and what the purpose of giving gifts are. Um, you talked about the trust breakers and really entering into that as a couple, right? And working through that. Um, and then building on the fondness and admiration, right? It's good. Yeah. I should have had you speak in the mic. Sorry. Yeah. Let me give you the mic. absolute favorite not um so i'm i'm coming from a, a perspective of like my husband and i've been married for 34 years and so um our takeaway was does your spouse know what you need and have you shared and communicated you kind of get lazy over time about sharing and communicating you need you take it for granted like oh yeah i know you <laughs> and know and know what you need and but you know through the course of time and and things you know change sometimes and that's not necessarily the place so um, don't get complacent in your comfort is what we came came out with. It's like that is one of the benefits of marriage is that it's comfortable and that person's a solid thing in your life and you just get this cozy place, you know, and it's really awesome and stuff, but don't get complacent in your comfort and um, know that marriage still takes effort, which is why we, like, we're still here. We're still learning. We don't say we have it like all together because it still takes some effort. Yeah, thank you. Even though you do, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Who else would share? Um, we just briefly touched on this, but I wrote down discussing expectations um, for us personally before the week starts or before a major event. And then after that, um, syncing up afterwards and evaluating any disappointments that were there. That's good. Yeah, Jason. Uh, we need to work on our bids for connection at least I do. Um, you know, we take that stuff for granted sometimes and ignore it, almost inconvenience, but not really. You just go on about with what you're doing and you don't think about they're trying to get your attention or they want you to talk to them and stuff. So that was, that was good. Thank you. Anyone else? Okay. So I... I do hope that you all leave encouraged tonight, um, but I also want to bring some attention to what the Lord has been doing in our body at OFH, because a lot of what we have talked about tonight, the Lord has been stirring in our services for weeks, 
And this can feel like the nitty gritty pieces of it, but I want us to take like a aerial view for a few minutes. And I'm actually gonna read just a few things that have been shared. Um, so for this, I want you to close your eyes. And I'm gonna be sharing some things. These are my paraphrases. Um, but I'm going to be sharing from Ben Sullivan's sermon two weeks ago. He talked about being a people of presence. I'm going to share some things that Michelle Wide shared at the women's ministry and Jeff Lyle this morning. So with your eyes closed, Ben said, we have to deal with our heart like Adam that blames because the tendency, is, this is, these are my words, because the tendency is to blame our spouse or to point the finger or to gaslight or to become defensive. He said, pride points the finger. We have to deal with our hearts like Cain that murders through hatred and jealousy, and it aimlessly wanders. We don't want to become aimless wanderers in our marriage, just um, complacent, like Michelle said. We have to deal with our heart like Jacob, who needs to grow in endurance, growing in that longevity and that faithfulness over time. We need to deal with our heart like Michal, David's wife, who was a criticizer, because our tendency is to be critical and to point the finger. We need to deal with our heart like the Pharisees that reject presence and walk in pride. Ben said that having a contrite heart is a lifestyle, an everyday thing. And that just reminds me of the consistency, the track record of doing what's right and not what's easy. At the women's breakfast, Michelle urged us to... Walk in forgiveness toward our spouses and create a friendship bond. This morning, Jeff Lyle, in talking about forgiveness, said, Is what they have done to you more than what he, meaning God, has done for you? Because the tendency is to say, My wife or my husband hurt me, I have rights, I, I deserve, fill in the blank. And to piggyback on that, Jeff said, he rarely works powerfully, he meaning God, rarely works powerfully in someone who acts like they are owed something. That is true in our relationship with the Lord, but it is also true in our marriages. If we want God to work powerfully in our marriages, we have to let go of entitlement. Philippians 2 talks about how Jesus laid down his rights. Being in the very nature, God, he chose the cross instead. And Jeff said, we need to choose to forgive before our emotions tell us that we are ready to forgive. As we think about rebuilding trust and restoration, your emotions might take time, but you can choose to forgive and you can choose to take those steps of rebuilding trust. So rebuilding our marriages 
is actually part of dancing on the plans of the enemy. It is part of getting back what the enemy would want to steal. If you are feeling broken, if you are feeling hopeless or helpless, I am so glad you're here. I encourage you to do the hard, hard work because it is worth it and it is a spiritual battle. I'm just going to pray for us to close. Father, thank you that you are restoring, that you are restoring all things. God, that you are restoring yourself to us, that you are restoring marriages. God, we want to partner with what you're doing. We want to be people of presence. We want to carry your presence with us. And we know that it has to start in our home, in our, in our marriages. God, we ask for deeper unity. We ask for clarity of mind. God, we ask that you would reveal to us where we need to humble ourselves and repent. And God, would you strengthen us to follow you, to walk in righteousness. God, would you develop our character that we would be faithful Christ followers, that we would be faithful ambassadors. If we, are to be re- if we are to carry the ministry of reconciliation, but we can't reconcile in our marriages, what good is it? Father, thank you that you have given us the ministry of reconciliation. Would you teach us to be like Jesus, to lay down our lives? Father, we love you. We love you, Jesus. Thank you. That although I offended you and wronged you and broke your trust, you still laid down your body and you spilled out your blood for me to make me your bride. Father, would you give us a revelation of that truth? God, we love you and we worship you. In Jesus' name. We have homework for you again. I will put it on the screen for you. We will also send an email again. Um, did everybody get that? Great. Okay. If not, um, will you make sure you talk with us afterward to make sure we have your email correct? Um, so this is the homework. That first one is related to love maps. Um, so you get to choose your own adventure on that one. Um, whether you want to go back to the love maps questionnaire or find some intentional questions. I do have one that I'll send as a link. Um, Gottman card decks, the app, or if you have other ways that you want to build those love maps. Um, second one, implement your plan for building trust or becoming more trustworthy. And then next time we will be taking a deep dive into communication. And so we want you to take this next month and read through the Proverbs and pull out any insights that you have on communication. So I'll give you one little sneak peek. Communication is more than speaking. So make sure you're pulling out um, any insights you have that um, related to communication. Um, Our next marriage ministry will be on December 3rd. So again, that's the first Sunday of the next month. It'll be at 6 p.m. again here at the building. Um, And as you leave tonight, if any of your hopes and expectations have been met, go ahead and stick a check mark up there on them. Even if you've already put a check mark, 
Go ahead and put another one. Um, if you have new hopes and expectations that you would like to add to it, feel free because we'll keep coming back to those. We love you. Get out of here. <laughs>